The future of your child's education is in your hands. This podcast will provide you with the best parenting tips so your child can achieve the very best, including advice from leading educators and information on how to use the latest learning technology. This podcast is brought to you by CygleEd. The CygleEd app opens up the very best teaching to millions of students. And now over to your host, Melanie Graves. Hi everyone, my name is Melanie Grace and welcome to the Future of Education podcast. So today I'm joined with, um, joined with me is Andrew Nolan. So Andrew is an international education expert with almost 20 years of experience and is a two-time national award-winning teacher. So Andrew has also worked um, around a decade um, in EdTech for the largest K-12 private education provider in the world. Andrew is now the head of education at CygleEd. So Andrew, it's lovely to have you on the show. How are you? I'm wonderful, thank you, Melanie. And yourself? I'm very well, thank you. It's um, been a strange time with COVID, but now we're kind of coming out of it, which is excellent, hopefully. Good, good to hear. Brilliant. So I've got a few questions for uh, for you today. So you have achieved so much as an award-winning teacher. Um, please tell us more about your story and how you got into education. Sure. Um, I think I, I went into the teaching profession back in 2001 after I finished my degree. So I did a degree in genetics originally. And it was kind of a a decision between education and research, and I felt that working with people after my research project, which was on genetics within the education space, I preferred the idea of going into education to research, and I haven't really looked back since then. So I did uh, three or four years in uh, normal school teaching biology, mathematics, chemistry. Um, I've moved overseas, worked overseas for a number of years where I taught science predominantly. And off the back of my work, I also won a couple of national awards. And this kind of transited me into the strategic view of how we use technology within schools. Uh, And since then, I've worked in Finland, Kazakhstan, UAE. And it's good to now be back working with with a British company. That's fantastic. I bet the experience overseas, it helps so much, doesn't it? Just Do you find it very different in terms of education or is, how, how has it been? Um, I don't find it, well, it depends on the system, if I'm honest with you, because I've worked now in, I think it's eight different curricula. So wow. every curriculum has its own nuances and its own strengths and, and, and its own challenges. Um, so I think that the location's not so much the the challenge uh, I find that children are children wherever I've been and I find that um, parents also want the very best for their children wherever you go in the world those things are constants it's just the way in which we deliver the information and the way we organize our information that's different that's excellent and yeah certainly with regarding the parents wanting the best for their children that's a uh... Definitely something that's so important. Um, when did your interest for technology and education um, spark? I think I've always been interested in technology. I think the first time I ever used email was back in, I remember the very first time I used email, and that was actually at school. Um, wow. And that was when I was learning Russian at school. Um, 
And that was the first time I ever got exposed to technology in, in an educational sense. And that teacher in particular, who I, I still am very social with these days, um, he was the person that introduced me to the possibilities of technology in education. That was back in the in sort of the early to mid nineties. And I think ever since then, it's always been something in the back of my mind that this level of communication technology has the potential to change the way we operate within any sphere, not just education, but within any sphere. And as I went more and more into education, I started to look into more challenging and more useful ways to use the technology to increase student engagement or student attainment. And it stuck. So, so it's, it's, it's been really made my, my job quite more enjoyable. I've actually done things which I probably wouldn't have been able to have done if I hadn't brought technology into the classrooms. Yes. And I think students have also benefited because it, it meets them where, where they are. And I think that that's one of the things that this generation and the previous generation, um, they use more technology than pretty much any other generation within the schooling system. So it's been, it's been a, a case of meeting them where they are and using tools and um, media which, which are kind of authentic to them. That's great. I think, yeah, with technology, it's nice that it can, obviously, as things advance, it just becomes far more personalised, doesn't it? And and from a teacher's point of view, do you see it as more something that uh, makes your uh, lessons productive or, or how do you see it advancing? Uh, I think if we look at it from that, that perspective, we say where it's going, I think we're going to see more and more use of artificial intelligence and technologies to truly personalized and individualized journeys through learning how teachers perceive it at the moment they 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 have a pretty mixed opinion of it um covid has kind of made it a necessary evil for many people um but generally teachers see the value of technology and how it can help organize them and how it can help streamline processes in the classroom um i think in addition I think that the the level of engagement that's been possible because technology is brought in and also, as as, as I remember from being a teacher myself, was technology allowed students to share their work on a larger audience than has ever been possible before. So we had students sharing their work with children in Africa, Asia, Europe and North America. Um, And in the past that just wouldn't have been possible. And I think that that's one of the things that this generation of of schooling is far more connected on a global perspective than it ever has been before. So I think that from a teaching perspective, that's also been a a huge benefit because now we're starting to form bigger communities of practice. We're forming much more deep relationships, not just from people who teach our system, but from around the world and using much more evidence and technology to to improve teacher learning and and student learning. Fantastic, that's really great. Okay, wonderful. And um, so you were also Senior Manager for Education Technologies at GEMS. So tell us more about GEMS and your experience while working there. Well, GEMS is the, or was at the time, the largest K-12, private K-12 education company in the world, um, based out of the UAE. So, I was working as a teacher and off the back of those national awards, they asked me to step into a role to look at their school strategically across the world in terms of technology. So that included 
schools across, I believe it was 16 or 17 countries at one point. Wow. So that that was quite uh, a challenge. I mean, it's, it was quite a big difference going from a single, my, my own little kingdom, my own little classroom to, to looking at every every school across 17 countries. Yeah, of course. Um, but what we noticed in general is that there there is an appetite for high-quality technology which helps teachers. Um, and a lot of resistance to technology in schools is when teachers cannot see the immediate benefit. So I think that's, that's one of the key learnings I, I had from that. Um, another part of this is that we worked very closely on the parental aspect of, of this, this of digital. And because parents, uh, if you look at their day-to-day life from a professional perspective, they're using technology on a day-to-day basis, so they expect information, they expect knowledge to be coming to them via technological um, platforms. And we had to spend a lot of time working on how to really I would say probably optimize and really how we, we made clear to, to parents how a child was doing, what they needed to do to succeed, and, and also what kind of things the parents could do at home to, to assist them. And, and I think that what the technology showed me is that when we were working in terms of the design much more closely with schools and with, with parents and children, we got a lot more progress than just simply buying something off the shelf. So. I think that one of the key learnings was that when technology is designed with the user in mind and actually with the user within the design process, it tends to be much, much better than, than well, coming from somewhere else outside of, outside of it. Okay, that's a really interesting point there, definitely. I think that when it is kind of more customised and it is more relevant to to what's going on. But just to bring you back to the point where we do use a lot of technology now in our day-to-day lives. So when we look at, um, obviously, it in schools, why do you think teachers are hesitant? I know you say because they don't really um, maybe understand the full benefits or it takes a bit longer, but is, is there, do you think there's any other reasons? or? I think that there's actually hundreds of different reasons. So if I go through some of the key ones, one is access. So quite often, many times, uh, a teacher might only have their machine in a classroom. So as a result, that restricts their use of a particular product. Um, another one is the quality of training for teachers, because if they're not trained, they don't feel confident with a product. Uh, third is that if they are not involved in the choice of the product, they immediately, how do I say, they they kind of resent having to be told to be using a particular tool. Um, fourthly, um, I think as well, setup time is a big deal. When teachers have to invest a lot of time into getting something going, they don't like doing that. If it's simple, um, simple setup, simple enrollment, teachers are usually, that usually wins one of the major sort of wars with teachers. Um, another one is quite often, if the tool is not for your particular curriculum and it's just a generic um, product, I, uh, um, it might be a maths product, which might be a, a US product, but within a national curriculum environment, a lot of teachers 
don't see the immediate connection of those two pieces as well. So, so those are probably some of the most common ones. Um, in addition, I would probably say as well, um, connectivity can also be a factor within schools as well. So I've also had issues where you plan a lesson around technology and then as a result, you, you lose internet five minutes before the lesson as a result. Um, you kind of have to throw that lesson in the bin and do something different. So sometimes a lot of teachers think, am I going to risk it or am I going to go for it? So from an infrastructural point of view, that's also a major issue. So I think that, that's a number of things. That said, COVID has started to increase teacher confidence because, um, but because of necessity, I think it's probably the best way to describe it. Um, teachers choose core tools which they think will work, and they generally tend to be quite simple, just how to organise assignments, have a discussions and give notices out. But it's a start. You've got to start. Every journey starts with a single step, and I think that that's the first part of it. And I think what we're starting to see a lot more of within the last 18 months, the amount of self-directed training, that's teachers sort of deciding what they train themselves on, has actually gone up significantly to, to previous years. And that's quite key because also it ties in with a lot of the um, the trends within education. One of the trends of education is personalization. And obviously, teachers themselves are now starting to live that mantra themselves in terms of, uh, in terms of training and in terms of preparation themselves. That's great. I think, yeah, personalization, we've, we've certainly seen that a lot. I think I was speaking to someone on the podcast a while ago um, and she was a teacher, Caroline, her name was, and she was actually saying that, you know, nowadays budgets are cut so much that students, is, it's almost like they're still being taught exactly what they need to be taught, but the time that they actually have per student and what they can provide is is really quite a struggle. Do you see that as something that is happening all over the world? Um, I think it's particularly bad in the UK. I think the the budgets situation in the UK, without trying to be too political, have um, that's caused a lot of problems. Um, we are, I mean, as I said, I've worked in, in the private sector quite heavily as well. Um, I think some of the issues, I, I don't necessarily sort of see this as, as sorry, could we just go back a second? <laughs> could you repeat the question again? Okay, so I just said, um, Caroline said that um, a lady who I I, uh, I was interviewing previously, she just mentioned that there's been so much um, budget cuts within, you know, schools, and it's hard to actually provide a personalised experience to students. It's it's almost like there's a set amount, and that's what they have to get done. It's she said even having before where there was, you know, maybe someone for counselling support or where there was someone additional mm -hmm. to help them in class. It's just it seems to be getting less and less, and that relates to what you were saying about personalisation. Mm -hmm. I think it's yes, a significant problem because um, when you when you cut budgets, schools have to decide what they spend their money on, and ultimately, if you look at how a school is judged, what's it judged on? It's it's, it's unfortunately, particularly in the UK, it's judged upon its position in the league tables in terms of exams. So as a result, the pressure is on just drilling those kids through a formulaic set of exams, and and that has a, obviously an impact upon personalization um whether i agree with that as an approach is a different story and it's not something i would particularly want to subscribe to in terms of should we be just pushing kids through exams no most certainly not um we should be looking at what 
stimulates and what interests the students, as well as trying to, to tap into how we best assist them within their learning journey. Um, budgets are a significant issue, whether that's a global matter. Um, I think in any state system, um, I've noticed particularly in the, in, in the countries I've lived in where the state system is used, um, yes, I've definitely seen a, a significant pinch on on what actually is done and what happens within schools. Um, the private sector, not so much. Um, and probably the reason for that is that the private sector is always looking at how to gain an edge and push ahead of its competition. And, and as a result, that's that's generally probably why I would say that it's not as, how do I say, it's not been as significant or a problem in the private sector as it has in the, in the state sector. Uh, globally. Yeah, that's interesting. I think when you talk about the private sector as well, it's it's nice, especially within Cygled, we can kind of tap into, mm -hmm. you know, some of the great teachers and make things more accessible. So uh, yeah, lots of exciting things to come. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to add as well, you're a board advisor to EdTech Finland. So uh, tell us more about some of the things you achieved whilst working there. So, so EdTech Finland is the national association for the edtech industry in, in Finland. So it is. Uh, it, it was developed in 2019. So I was actually one of the founding um, board advisors, and and the idea is to try and share best practices between edtech companies in terms of design, in terms of business, in terms of uh, operations, uh, and also being a lobbying group to to governments about how. EdTech is a significant industry and should be supported. Um, my particular role within that is where my, uh, my, where my background is predominantly within international education. Um, I would advise companies on how to best align their products to international curricula. So I've now worked with, as I said, with eight, with eight or nine now, um, and also different markets. Uh, and also advising companies on how to best break into the territories where where I've worked. So that's within the UK, the Middle East, and the the CIS, the former Soviet Union. Um, so it's it's definitely been something that's very interesting because I think what I've started to learn from that is the way that the Finns design technology is very very different to anywhere else in the world in the sense of their process is much more. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's about having the teachers right at the heart of the design process. And as a result, that kind of coincides with the the global um, sort of the global data on Finland being one of the best systems in the world. Um, Finnish teachers are very, very fussy, and that that also has helped me learn a lot more about when when we do design ed tech, when we do build ed tech what the concerns and what the needs of teachers are. It's really interesting. And I guess that with ed tech companies, it can be definitely a really fine balance, obviously, between the tech side, making sure that, you know, the teachers are heard out and it's all about them because at the end of the day, the main focus is education. It's making sure that you're providing, you know, best in class teaching online. And so with the ed tech, do you think it's something that's um, is kind of that people are starting to understand more that's grown significantly? How have you seen it develop from when you first got into ed tech? 
Well, I think um, if I if I looked at when I first started using technology teacher, I think Microsoft Office and G Suite or basically Google Docs were sort of the the the, the on vogue back about ten years ago, and yes. that was very very low level stuff. And and I was working with some schools who when when you mentioned the word iPad, that was seen as sort of a revolution ten years ago. Putting an iPad, put using iPads in schools. Now, I think there's there's been two different pathways of technology. There's been some really great successes, and there's been some absolute disasters um, in the last ten years. Um, what we've found is that schools who think very carefully about their choice of technology, their choice of platforms and tools, and how it ties into their operational and academic processes, they've had some amazing results. But what we've also seen, unfortunately, is a lot of people who seem to think having 30 iPads in a classroom is going to solve every, every challenge, and it doesn't take into account the, the children or the teachers in that process. Uh, and we've seen some, quite frankly, terrible decisions being made and money wasted on technology as well. Um, so technology's got trendier. Um, that said, I've noticed, particularly with principals and, and head teachers, is that they've got better at trying to understand the key question around technology, and that's why. Uh, in the past, it was very simply... We have to have it rather than, well, well, why do we really need it? Um, and I think what we're seeing now is, uh, I think we're seeing a gradual realisation if technology is thought out, um, it really does add something. And I think COVID has, again, twisted the arm of a lot of naysayers in that area to understand that technology can really fundamentally change how a school operates. And in addition, it can make accessibility to, to learning much more 24-7 than it, than it ever was before in the past. And I think that that connectivity and that availability is, is what we've seen happen much more over the last 10 years. If we look at the number of uh, apps in the App Store that are education-related, we look at the number of edtech unicorns that have risen over the last 10 years, that is in itself uh, a very clear indicator that people are now starting to take edtech as a very serious industry. Um, and if you look at things like uh, within Europe, the, the the only real unicorn in Europe is Kahoot, and Kahoot's now valued at four billion dollars and potentially going to to open on the U.S. stock markets. You've got many unicorns based out of the U.S., India, and China as well. So, so we're seeing these big, big companies just growing and growing and growing. And the reason they're growing is that people, i.e. consumers, see value in those products. Uh, and that is something that probably 10 years ago, you probably would have had to have given away most of your tech or done it at such a low price for schools to grab. Now, schools are actually spending a massive amount. So again, I think if we, if we look at this evolution, I think if we summarize it, Schools are more aware of how technology can really change education. Schools understand that technology is something you cannot avoid. And probably the third part of it is that 
technology, when it's well designed and well deployed, actually enhances the learning experience. And I think that those, if those three points are taken into account, we will definitely, um, we will definitely sort of have this much better uh, educational experience. Um, so, so that that's probably a long-winded way of saying it, but that's that's the way I would interpret it. That's great. I think that's a you kind of really brought together that how education has evolved and like you say, having it more on demand. I think that, you know, COVID itself has made such a big impact in um, you know, we only have to look at the working style of adults and how everything's so much flexible now, um, more flexible in terms of, you know, the hybrid style and what we are able to have access to 24-7. Do you think that approach is more beneficial for students? Because at the moment it almost feels like it's there's it's kind of a one size fits all there is does it does it does it help students yes and no it depends on the students i think that's probably the best answer for you some some students quite like the the old school sit in a classroom and be told what to do other students quite like to be independent and there are students that are kind of in the middle um i think covid has has shown that it is an option um, and one of the key things it's shown as well is that people want choice. If you look in the last year at the number of education innovations which have now sort of sort of um, sprouted up, particularly if I go through LinkedIn on a daily basis, the number of people who now talk about redefining a schooling model, if I'd looked maybe two years ago, I probably would have found a handful of companies now. If I don't find a handful every single day, it's a shock. Um, I think that COVID has woken a lot of people up and it's made them realize that this, well, I think probably the best way to describe it for many people is this factory-based model is not for everyone. And what we perceive as school is probably not what we needed to perceive within a 21st century environment. Definitely, that's an interesting point. And certainly I like how you say that, you know, at the end of the day, everybody is different, but by having, you know, more options out there that are, you know, more um, more technology focused, more advanced, it can only help enhance, you know, the way students enjoy and, and can learn, just lots more possibilities. Um, so what is pedagogical application of technology and why is it important for learners? Okay, so, so when we talk about pedagogy, pedagogy basically means teaching processes. And I think one of the key things to, to start is the, the, it's called EdTech for a reason, education technology. And one of the things I iterate in any seminar or anything I do, it's ed before tech and when we start looking at what good learning theory is what great learning processes are and what excellent teaching and learning looks like technology needs to be designed around that to enhance augment and also fundamentally redefine that process to ensure that the outcomes are better so that's in essence what the pedagogical application of technology is. It's where we take into account the actual learning process. If we looked at technology which was put into schools many, many 
uh, sort of years ago, probably actually within the last five years as well, to be honest, a lot of that technology was technology for business, which had kind of been shoehorned or pushed into a, a school use case. But what we're seeing now is we're seeing a lot more startups and a lot more uh, software companies starting to go, actually, we actually need to engage educators into that process of design. We need to make it so that teachers can see a clear benefit to their processes within the classroom of uses of technology before they just swallow it and, and use it. So I think that's really important. So if we look at it, we have to have tools which are beneficial to students or teachers or parents or administrators. And we have to have things which do not detract or slow down learning within our classrooms. And that's why that application of pedagogy or that pedagogically centered design aspect is probably the most crucial part of edtech development nowadays. Brilliant definition there. And yeah, I really like how you said, you know, it's, it's always making sure that the ed is for the tech. And I think that nowadays with how things are advanced and, and you know, with these different companies out there, it's so easy, um, you know, to focus on the high tech side. But at the end of the day, you know, the teaching is, is by far the most important part. Um, so that is crucial. Um, so why do you think digital learning is important um, as a teacher? Why do you think that? I think we've just got to look at our day-to-day lives. I mean, technology is so deeply ingrained in our existence. Every single facet of our life is has technology embedded within it. And if we look at education as preparing students for the future, well, if we don't incorporate digital technology into our teaching and learning processes, are we really preparing students for the future? And... I think we will know the answer to that question. Um, Yes. In addition, digital technologies can bring things to the learning experience that cannot be brought by other media. So books are fantastic. Books, there's a lot of research about the benefit of books. They don't have the same sort of immersive content. You can't look at a, a battlefield in 360 degrees in a textbook. You, yes. you, you can't communicate with a scientific expert on the other side of the world through a book. So, so I think the technology is actually adding elements which would not have been possible. If you look at, how do you say, if you look at your, your, your school days, um, what things do you think technology would have added to that? Well, if I, if I look at it, um, I think that the ability to bring the real world into my classroom yes, as, as a student, that, that would have made things actually mean something to me at times. I think in addition, it, having great visuals, being able to see how, how things work from the inside, rather than me trying to read a book and visualize it in my own brain, I could have someone help me and actually visualize it for me. And in addition to that as well, is then having that 
high quality data uh, and high quality artificial uh, intelligent assistance to help guide me and understand me, to help me improve. Digital learning is important because without it, you can't truly personalize learning. And that's probably the bottom line here. Definitely. It's just more of a far more flexible approach. And like you say, I think it makes it, I think it makes students feel far more human when they have some sort of control into what, when and how they can listen or if they maybe need to repeat or, you know, need the extra uh, assistance. And it's this really great tool to have. Um, so it's an absolute pleasure to have you um, part of Cygolad as the head of education. So what excites you most about uh, the company? Okay, so whenever I take a project on, there are three points that I that I um, that I measure a company on. One, innovation. Two, impact. Three, scale. If a project doesn't have those three things involved, I immediately ignore it. Cyclehead has so innovation, impact, and scale. If if those three if those three things are not present, I will I will not consider a project. Cyclehead has those in buckets. So if we look at the innovation, there there is so many aspects of this project which are bring elements that are not common on the market or not well executed on the market the impact is clear we can inspire students to to learn more learn better and in addition we can really assist teachers and parents by giving them the very best in terms of education experiences and the scale the fact that we have a a product which can be basically put onto an app that shows that we can reach audiences which are massive. Those are the three key points. Because CycleEd hit those three points for me and hit them in a very strong way, that's what made me want to be part of it. Amazing. Well, they're really good points to definitely, um, yeah, to check off. And we're so grateful that, uh, yeah, we have you part of our team. So it's it's absolutely brilliant. Um, so just a, a final question now. Um, I'd love to know what do you love most about education? What's your favourite part? That it doesn't stand still. I would hate to be in a field where it's quite slow. Well, it, there's nothing new happening. We're always learning more about how kids learn better, we're learning more theory, we're getting better technologies, we're looking at new models of, of how we best learn. So being in a field, one, which is constantly changing, that's, a, that's fantastic. And second of all, my, one of my previous bosses, he had a quote, and it's, and it's quite widely available on the internet, and he said, whatever the question, Education is the answer. And it's pretty much true. Any of the big questions or big issues that are in the world, they can be solved through education. Education is the key for us as, as a civilization to solve our problems 
and to become healthy, respectful citizens of the world. I absolutely love that quote and it certainly puts things into perspective into the impact of education and like you say it's really limitless um so uh yeah so that's really wonderful so well Andrew thank you so much for being part of this podcast it's been an absolute pleasure uh, and we definitely look forward to um yeah discussing a few things again in the future when everything's developing uh and uh yes I uh, hope you have a wonderful weekend thank you very much All right. Thank you very much, Andrew. Speak soon. Thank you for listening to the Future of Education podcast by CycleEd. Please join us weekly for new episodes. Don't forget to follow us on social media at CycleEd and visit cycleed.com to register for the app. Have a wonderful rest of the week.